Good morning and welcome to Sips of Sanity. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We are bringing back the show. We took a minor kind of break, I guess, in January because we were told no one was listening. Then we heard from all of you that you missed it so much, we brought it back. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't want to miss out on our January series, we actually condensed them all into a podcast show on Coffee with the Sarlos. And we just kind of smushed all five episodes together for you. So you can head on over to your podcast platform to listen to that episode of Coffee with the Sarlos. But today we're officially in February and we are talking about the 10 core beliefs of the people pleaser. You got her. So some people are already rolling their eyes going, oh my God, this again. Yes, this again. We have some huge problems with people pleasers. And we have to understand what the core beliefs are to understand how to then gain the tools to come outside of those patterns and behaviors. So we are giving people specific tools in the toolkit for emotional intelligence. We talk about it often in sessions. We talk about it on all of the podcast shows. We actually have had Beverly Angel, who wrote The Nice Girl Syndrome, on Coffee with the Sarlows. So you can go back into the archives of Coffee with the Sarlows to listen to her talk about the entire book. But one of the areas that we want to discuss is those 10 core beliefs. And Beverly has given us permission to go through her book in all kinds of ways to do podcasts until she comes back on Coffee with the Sarlows. So this is what we're going to work on for a little while. So today's show is on the first false belief, which is other people's beliefs and other people's thoughts are more important than my own. Am I correct in saying that we could lump in other people's needs? Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not skipping ahead and and kind of bringing too many of them together. No, the way she writes it, Kelly, is other people's feelings and needs are far more important than my own. So if you go to the book, and you're following along. It's on page 36. And that's the first belief. I think this is more common among women because women are taught to be empathic, which is a good thing, but it can't get confused with the people pleasing. So we want to split being empathic and feeling for others and actually thinking that we have to meet their needs just because we feel for them. And women are very much taught to pay attention to what other people are feeling. And to anticipate other people's needs, to get up and move and take action. Oh my God, and there are so many people that pride themselves on that. Mm -hmm. They think this is their entire identity. It's their life purpose. They think without it that they would be no good at being a partner or a parent or a nurse or in their professions. And what we're saying here is, is that there are healthy ways to meet people's needs. Yeah, it's a good skill. Yes. But you have to be able to assess time and a place. And when you're springing into action actually takes away from the individual learning their own lesson or being able to assess and take action for themselves. That's a really good point because there is a crossing of the boundaries in people-pleasing. And that is something that some people don't even consider. It's not part of the thought process, which means that people have to slow down and give themselves time. They have to give themselves a process to assess, which is critical in this situation. Otherwise, they trip over themselves to do something for someone else. And quite often, they think that that means then that they're going to be loved for it, 
or they're going to be appreciated. And when they're not, because perhaps they've crossed boundaries, they are absolutely astounded that and really can't understand why someone didn't appreciate their crossing someone else's boundaries. Yeah, I would also like to add to that some people make the assumption that if I don't meet another person's needs, if I don't anticipate them and value them more than myself, that I won't be loved. Yeah. So same outcome, but two different perspectives. How could someone not love me? Or I'm afraid they won't. Yeah. And I think too, Kelly, that that there are lots of people that think that if they meet their own needs first, that they're actually selfish. And that they actually are accused of being selfish by other people. So that trains them out of it. And I say trains them because we do have partners who will train us. Mm -hmm. We do have kids that will say, mom, and go into their whining and their crying and the me, me, me. Oh, I people please my doc. (laughs) If we want to make this really not personal where someone's going to get all uppity about it. My dog gets cold in the night and I will readjust myself in the bed and my partner to make sure he's okay. Even if it means I'm not sleeping well. Okay, there's your people pleasing. Right? Yes. And he has me conditioned. He just has to bark literally once and oh. I am up and up and moving for him. Okay, I like what you're doing. And I like that you're giving the example of a dog because maybe somebody could listen to that with open ears. Versus the people that really don't want to hear some of this because they don't want to have to see their own behavior. Mm -hmm. And I can make it more personal. I, you know, I have a partner who has a hard time sleeping and I can sit there and think, well, I'll go to the couch for you so that you can have the bed to yourself and get and get settled. Mm -hmm. And I can think that that's the right thing to do because his needs of sleep are more important than mine. Right. Or I can stand there and say, hey, we're both having a rough time with this. I'm going to go over to Karen's for the night and have a good sleep. You can have the bed to yourself and have a good sleep. And you need to know that I love you. Yeah. And then you take care of your own needs. Yeah. And so if what I'm afraid of, and I'm making it personal so that other people are off the hot seat, they Mm -hmm. don't feel accused, right? Right. If my fear is that me leaving the house will indicate to him that I don't love him or that his needs are important, then I can still do my best to say, I love you. I want you to have a good sleep. I'm excited to see you in the morning. I'm still meeting my needs. And hopefully in the process, you can figure out how to meet yours. Mm -hmm. There can be really good, healthy communication in there where both of you are taken care of. Yeah. And I I like it that Beverly points out that quite often men are not seen as when they meet their own needs, they're not considered selfish. They're They're not put on the same, I'll say the same spectrum as we are. So we have to be careful of that. People have to watch. Do you let your little boys, do you let the men in your life get away with taking care of their own needs and seeing it as that's good? But when your daughter or when you try to or your mother tries to or a girlfriend tries to, you guilt them into making them think that they're being selfish. Yeah. And how about let's use a literal term. That's not very nice Mm -hmm. because we are now conditioned into being the nice girl. Oh, yeah. And and I think too, like sometimes like we will shrink our own importance or our own needs. We think we make them tiny. We we make them, I'll just say again, unimportant. And we focus on whatever their needs are as more important. So that there's, well, you're hearing that what we put relevance to for ourselves in our own lives 
keeps shrinking. And that's an important thing to keep repeating so people can hear that. Because that is how we disappear. Okay, can I throw in another term that people can kind of sit with? Is an avoider. Because I think sometimes people think, well, I'm I'm empathetic and I'm a giver and I'm generous and I like to meet everyone's needs. We can qualify it as a people pleaser, but in the same breath, we can say you're an avoider because you avoid assessing your own self. You avoid taking action for your own self. Yeah. And I think, Kelly, in times of like intimacy, how important it is for a woman to keep assessing as she's intimate with a partner what her needs are so that she communicates that clearly and then doesn't feel used in the relationship. Yeah, that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Or or feels like she's checking out of it and not realizing that it's because she's not speaking up and saying what her own needs are. She's just focusing on her partner's sexual needs. So we talked about this being conditioned. Mm-hmm. And one of the points Beverly makes is that we often model this based on what we see in our parents. Yeah. And for many women, it's because we see our moms do it. Yeah. Where the man, the the father, is people pleased by the mother. And because of gender roles, we identify with that parent. Yep. And the boys do too. So they think just like their dad's needs are more important, they can grow up to think that their needs are as well. Mm-hmm. Whether their partner is male or female. Now, if you have... A child at any age who can do their own assessment, they may swing in such the opposite direction and think, I can't be like her. Yeah. And so they become the father. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because if we don't have proper coaching or proper models to see what a healthy middle ground is, we can focus on what we don't want to be and actually end up becoming the very opposite. Yeah. And what we're saying is neither are healthy. Right. And what we're hoping to do here is to let people sit with that false belief and see, geez, did I have that in some way in my life? Was that around me? Did I watch a lot of movies like this? Did I like books that were like this? Did I read about it all of the time? Because we don't just get parented by those two adults in the house. We can be or one. We get parented by what we watch and what is around us in our life. The other example that Beverly gives in the book is when parents are emotionally unavailable themselves, the child can often step into the parent role Mm -hmm. and assume the responsibility of meeting their needs. Mm -hmm. And so they become a people pleaser to their own parents. Yeah. Yeah. To one parent in particular that they're partnering. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that goes on. So we have to be able to sit back and go, well, shit shit, that was me. That was my life or that was my sister's life or someone's life. So I'm starting to understand. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, I think just to be able to understand that people come by it honestly. Yeah, that this isn't throwing anybody under the bus. We're trying to again, we're trying to give the tools to figure out, geez, if this is what I believe, how does this present itself in my day to day life? So if I'm sitting in the car and my husband says, what do you want for dinner? My wife says, what do you want for dinner? And I can never even think of a single thing. I just defer to them because I always want to know what they want. It's one small example. What we're saying is you have to find it in the tiny things that you do to understand where the belief is and how it plays out. 
And that is not the same as being indifferent to what you might want to eat that night. That's not the same as not having a craving and being truly open to any meal that evening. That's really actually not knowing your own thoughts is what we're talking about. Yeah. And you have to be able to sit there and say, okay, so I might want pizza. I might want something Italian. I might want Thai food tonight. I'm open to a couple of ideas within those two areas of food. So if he or she wants something in that area, that's good, but at least I know it. And if they say they want craft dinner and it's not, and I am open and I don't care, that's okay. We're talking about when you acquiesce and you give in constantly. We're talking about patterns. We're talking about not knowing. Where one person loses themselves. They meld into another person's reality. And these are the reasons why. This is one of the reasons one of 10. So our intention today, actually through this week and probably next month as well, because there are 10 beliefs and we don't want to rush you through them. Our intention is to highlight what the unhealthy beliefs are, give you all kinds of examples where you can find evidence in your own life or the people that you love to identify what or who a people pleaser is, and then to offer you what the healthy belief is. And we're not going to go into the tools of those, but we're just going to offer you what the alternative belief would be. And at another point, we will hold on to a sips of sanity, just purely dedicated to examples for the healthy beliefs. Mm -hmm. So for example, the opposite of this or the healthy belief now is that what you think is as important as what anybody else thinks, not just your significant partner, or the person you're people pleasing in that moment, that your value is equal to theirs. So what I need, what I desire, and what I think matters. That's right. Equally. And is worthy of being heard. Yes. And that whatever emotions that you have with that are okay for you to feel. Wonderful. It's just that pure and simple knowing. Okay, so we will leave it there for today. We're going to be back tomorrow with another false and healthy belief. Good. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Enjoy your Monday.